Welcome back to a special bonus episode of Please Bear With Me. I'm your host, Travis Corley. A little bit different of an episode this week. We are doing a deep dive interview with Chris Platt. He is going to tell all from his six years at Baylor, starting with the Bryles firing, the difficulty and some misconceptions of the Grobe here, the rule hiring, a, a position change he went through, a, a few actually, you know, at times him wanting to leave Baylor, his overall relationship with Coach Rule, the unfortunate timing of his NFL Pro Day experience, and then just his mental health throughout all of it. And, and I say it a few times in this interview, but I'll, I'll say it again here. I just want to applaud Chris for being open and being vulnerable to come talk about his feelings and, and talk about his time at Baylor because I, I'm a guy who doesn't really like to talk about my feelings. So I know how hard that that can be to do. So thanks, Chris, for doing it. And uh, I, I'm hoping your story is going to, to help out others. We're going to have, uh, obviously, another episode out next week to preview the Ole Miss game. Uh, but until then, I hope you guys enjoy this bonus episode. Please bear with me. Thank you again for joining us for a special bonus episode of Please Bear With Me. We are going to get into that Chris Platt uh, interview very soon. But before we do that, I want to highlight some Baylor football players who, over, I, I believe it was last weekend, may have accomplished the number one thing they'll ever accomplish at Baylor, and that is graduating with a degree from an R1. Yes, that's right, an R1 university. That news came out last week as well. Baylor's moved up to an R1 university way ahead of schedule, way ahead. I thought it was going to be another two or three years, so huge news for Baylor University. And also, the plans for the Fieldhouse have been announced. It's going to be about a 7,000-seat uh, arena. It's going to be right there on the Brazos, uh, right behind Clifton Robinson Tower. Um, I was reading that there's going to extend the river walk. So hopefully you'll be able to walk like from the law school under the I-35 bridge um, to the field house. I'm pretty sure that's happening. That's how I read it. Um, and then, of course, all of the cool stuff that's going on around that area to kind of mesh Baylor with the downtown Waco and, and extend our campus a little bit. And it technically won't be a part of campus, but it will be an extension of the campus. So I'm very excited about the field house and what that's going to bring. And Baylor's partnered with the city of Waco. I think the city of Waco gave the, uh, about 65 million to help with the field house. And that's going to, uh, keep Baylor from going into debt to build it. Okay. We had to go into debt to build McLean and not having to do it here. So just again, very excited for what that's going to look like. Uh, the, the women's team has always been elite 
And now the men's team is really becoming one of the best programs, if not the best program in college basketball right now. I mean, a number one ranked team defending national champions. Uh, I'm not sure it could get any better than that. And an excellent opportunity to get back to that final four this year. And the women as well. I mean, they just had a tough loss to Michigan. They didn't play extremely well, got out-rebounded a ton. But you know what? You got to have those games to grow. So I'm not alarmed at all by that loss. And also with with the women's team, they're the new offense, new head coach, you know, like they're all just trying to figure it out. And I think they will. I think they'll still end up winning the Big 12 as well as the men's team. Let's talk about those Baylor graduates, though, before we bring on Chris Platt. And I'm just going to list them off to you and then we'll, we'll get into this interview. Graduates. We had 13 of them. Jalen Petrie, Terrell Bernard, Tyquan Thornton, Treston Ebner, JT Woods, Isaac Power, John Mayers, Jackson Gleason, Ashton Logan, Mark Milton, BJ Hansbard, Jackson Shep, and Brandon Bass. So a huge congratulations to those guys. You know, winning the Big 12 championship obviously is a is a huge accomplishment coming to Baylor, but getting your degree. Uh, walking out of here with with uh, <laughs> with that piece of paper, and I don't mean to uh, negate it by saying calling it a piece of paper, but hey, walking out with that piece of paper um, as a graduate of Baylor University may be the most important thing they they've ever done um, at Baylor. So, hey, with that being said, uh, another congratulations to to all thirteen of those guys. I'm excited to see who else is gonna uh, end up graduating here in May. I'm not I'm not I'm not sure who's on the list didn't do that research, but I'm sure we're going to have some more guys uh, graduating come the spring. So very excited about this Ole Miss game coming up. Uh, Very excited to get out an episode for you guys next week and preview that game. So until then, though, let's bring on Chris Platt. Well, hey, Chris, thank you for, for joining us today. And uh, and first off, congrats on the uh, the Big 12 championship there, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. It, it, was such, it was a really good game. Yeah, man, really it was good. a very good game. Any any doubt in your mind at all that Baylor's going to pull it out? No, not yeah. at all. You know, you know like uh, being on the outside now, being at tailgates and then seeing some Baylor people at D1, they're always asking me, like, what are your thoughts on this game going in? I'm like, honestly? We have the tools to win it all. Like every yeah. every single week, I've said the same single thing. And then when we lost to Oklahoma State, I was like, I hope we play them again because I really think we could beat them. Yeah, and man. It happened. Sure enough, there it was. Yeah, they, we just uh, they they honestly caught us at a good time of the year, super early, still trying to just figure out things offensively and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. And then you know, obviously, uh, our uh, Terrell Bernard was out, so that was a that was a yeah, good deal. That so, too. Yeah, so. Um, well, hey, man, be- before we dive into anything uh, too deep here, I just want to applaud you for coming on. I'm not I'm not a man that likes to talk about my feelings a lot. And uh, yeah, based on the notes that you've sent me, we uh, mm-hmm. we might be diving deep into into some of your feelings. So I, I know that's not easy to do, at, at least from my mm-hmm. standpoint. So uh, just just want to applaud you for that before we uh, before we dive in here. Of course. Um. So, hey, let's let's just start here. Uh, we're going to kind of go uh, in a linear fashion and and let's mm-hmm. just let's just kick it off right here. And in, in, uh, I believe it was 2015, 2016. And, and let's start yep. with 
you finding out that that Coach Browse has been let go, you know, how did that how did you find that out? And, and what was your initial reaction to that news? Mm, so uh, I want to say we were on break. It was on break before we go back to summer workouts. And um, I was at my grandparents' house and I had just woken up. I was woke up like really late. It was like 11. It was like 10, 11 a.m. in the morning. And uh, I remember vividly, we got this text saying, hey, this is Coach Browse. I want you to know before it gets out to social media that I'll be, I'll be letting go. I'll be, I'm being let go as your coach at Baylor University. I'll still be around if you want to say the final goodbyes before I leave. And um, it was a pleasure of being our coach. And so it just like really shocked me, honestly. Like it was just out of nowhere. Honestly. So like we we always heard the the stuff about the sexual assault stuff. We just didn't know it was to that point where he'd be fired. Yeah. So first question I called was Davion Hall. He was like one of my close friends there at Baylor. And we're just on FaceTime. And then we're just like, yo, like what is happening? Like what what are you what are you gonna do? Like, what are you gonna do? Or do we stay? who's going to be the next coach. Like we, we just didn't know, like our hands are just tied. We just didn't know what was to come. So just reaching out to like all my receivers and what they thought and the things that they were going through, like going through that text message. And it, it was pretty rough. It was like, it's just, it was like, a, I don't even know what to call it. It was just something that you just don't see coming. Yeah. You just don't see it coming at all. It's just yeah. one day it's good, and then next day, boom! Like the, everything's about to change from from the highest of highs to the to the lowest of lows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What and what? Why did you ultimately end up staying at Baylor then? I ultimately stayed at Baylor because I felt like it was just like so. When I came to Baylor, it was because of the coaching staff, and also just the overall culture that was there at Baylor. I like, I liked it. It was like a home away from home. Mm-hmm. Like when I visited Waco, my high, my junior year in high school for junior day, I felt right. It just felt right. I can't explain it any, any better than that. It just felt right being there. So like after junior day, I want to believe like the next day I committed, I was like the third yeah. person to commit in that class. And, um, it's just something that it just had a hold on me. I was like something that I didn't want to leave, especially in a bad, in a bad way like that. I kind of wanted to basically leave on a good note. Yeah. I didn't want to leave Baylor in that type of way. I so, and a lot of people in that class and a lot of seniors in that class thought the same way. So we felt like we just didn't want to leave it like this. We wanted to at least ca- cause a stepping stone, kind of go through the hardship. So, basically the saying like cross other people can walk yeah, like, yeah. Stuff like that. So that, that's the reason why I decided to stay. I got you. And any, any like collateral damage that you think was felt of, of staying at Baylor, any outside noise, you know, things like that. Yeah. So let's say it was 2016 when we had coach Grove, we're about to play TCU. And then, so a lot of people don't remember this. So in 2015, in that horrible, horrible weather of a game against TCU, mm-hmm. it was, was triple overtime, I think, double or triple overtime, and we lose off the wheel route. And um, so fans started storming the field, and 
a player from TCU actually got in Coach Brown's face when he was going to go shake Patterson's hand. Mm. And so we did not take that well at all. Mm-hmm. So, so like we, it stuck with us till that next year. And then so 2016, when Coach Grove was there, we played TCU. TCU is here. So, you know, Coach Brawls is already fired. We got all this stuff yep. hectic going around at Baylor and Waco. Yep. And um, people are selling T-shirts outside of the stadium. And, like, everything's going on. And then me just being young and dumb. So I tweet. I tweet that this game means something more. In my sense, I was talking about a rivalry. Yep. And other people, since on the outside looking in, they thought I was talking about Coach Browns being fired. Ah. So ESPN caught wind of that. And I want to <laughs> say, what's his name? Paul Finnebaum? Yep. Finnebaum. Yep. Finnebaum. Yeah. Yep. He quote tweeted my tweet and he put Baylor's, Baylor's playing for Coach Browns or something like that. Wow. So he just put words in my mouth and wow. it blew up. It got like to a thousand retweets and so many replies, so many DMs, like to the point where to this day, my settings are like, if I don't follow you, I don't see anything coming in. Wow. Like from wow. that day till today. So mm. after that, I started getting death threats. People tweeting at me. Um, what? There was like some guy that like made a fake account, came to me and said, well, tweeted at me. And said that uh, meet me at uh, Moody Moody Library on Baylor campus, so I can hang you in front of all the sexual rape victims. My goodness. Yeah. So my goodness. What my response was: I'm not going to steep to your level. Now I pray for your health because this is not that's not okay. Yeah, that's. So I tweeted that out. And then so Diane, who Coach Brown's assistant was, she called me immediately. She was like, what the hell is going on? I was like, right. I don't know. But just people just sending me death threats. Man. She's like, no, that's not okay. We're going to go talk to the um, Baylor PD and then get a private investigator and then get an infidavit to, to see um, who's behind that account. So from... From that day on, I was only able to go to class, the facility, and straight to my house. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my, and that that was like middle of the season, right? Yeah. When TCU came to Waco, right? Mm-hmm. My goodness. So, like, how how tough was it to just continue that season mentally for you with that in the back of your mind? It was tough. It was tough for the players. It was also tough for the coaching staff because a lot of them are family of Coach Browse, because right. you know. Right. You got Kendall and then you got Levy, yep. the brother-in-law. So it's a family, it's a family oriented coaching staff. Right. And so they've always, they've also been together for a very long time. So um, I want to say, so we started off that season six and zero. Right. Yeah, and yeah. then after that, they started, I don't know if you noticed, they started sending out like news articles about Baylor and the sexual assault on Fridays before our games i did not notice the timing of those i, I mean i knew there yes. was a bunch of stuff being put out there but i didn't realize the timing of everything mm-hmm. so i want to say it started at texas that was our first loss i think that was like when they first dropped the big bomb it was that friday night 
before UT. And then from then on now, it was like every Friday before a game, they would drop something, something new. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. So there there was a little bit of a shift in the locker room then a a little bit after, after going six and oh, would you say? So coaching point coaches as well, because, um, after a while, you kind of see that they, they weren't really focused on that. And um, they actually – we had a team meeting. I forgot which game it was. I think we were like, oh, and we started 6-0, and I think we are on our fourth loss. Okay. Had a team meeting, and then, like, all the coaches came up and basically just put it all on the table. Like, they knew that they weren't focused – we knew they knew we weren't focused and they said that they would do anything in their power to finish the season out strong. Right. And that, that we would have their full attention and all that type of stuff. Man. So yeah, it was tough. And we also would have, um, they would bring in guest speakers during that time too. So you can kind of just see the shift in players to like, they like did not want to, that's like the last thing they want to hear. Like, right. They, like they're, Basically, like I'll say this, it wasn't bad that they came, but it's just like it felt like we were getting lectured on something that we had no part of. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from with that. Is there, is there, was there a divide in the locker room at all, or were was everyone kind of like together on on? Does, it, does that question make sense? Like uh, the 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 lectures and stuff, or just just in just in general, in, in, any divide of like, hey, you know, guys taking brow side, guys not taking brow side, anything like that, that was no. felt by you, no. Honestly, nobody really talked about it. Honestly, like gotcha. it was just we're going through the motions day by day, and nobody really wanted to talk about it. Yeah, so I mean, maybe outside the locker room, but like as a team and the and the whole team setting, no. Yeah, so I, I mean. I guess at some point it just became, let's just get through this season. Let's just get through this season and, and, and try to turn the page. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, man, that is, um, wow. Pretty, pretty heavy for, for some college students to, to go through and, and for you to yeah. hear death threats about, you know, stuff that you weren't even involved in. And man, I, I just can't imagine, just can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Um, well, Let's let's move forward here to uh, to the announcement of um, Coach Rule being hired. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was the feeling in the locker room there when when Coach Rule got hired? I'd say it was about the same frantic energy when Coach Browse got fired. A lot of people didn't know if they should stay or should they go. Yeah, I know um, a lot of people kind of decided once they figured out who was the coach, like what they were going to do. I was the one that was still like on the fence. If I should stay or go, I didn't really know. I talked to KD a little bit about it and Dave Young. We like all got on like on a three-way call. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about it once he got hired. And um, KD said that one of the Temple players actually reached out to him and said that they got a good coach and coach rule. You mm-hmm. just got to, Basically, the words that he's been using at Baylor, he was using there. He said that you just got to stick to the process and kind of just trust him. So I took those words and KD left after that season. So did Ish. So I stayed. So I was the only receiver left out of that 2014 class 
that was coming back. Yeah, that's because Davion went to free safety, and I was the only receiver. That's right. That's right. Yeah, man, man. Did you kind of feel feel on an island at that point then a little bit? I did a little bit, a little bit, because it real like real quick. It was Quan Jones, then me. It was like we were the old, the we were the oldest two. After that, like yeah. after that 2016 season, I was like one of the oldest, and I was only into my sophomore, my redshirt sophomore <laughs> year. Yeah. I was like, this is this is insane. Like, wow, I've been waiting my whole. I was I was waiting my freshman year, redshirt freshman year, redshirt sophomore year to like finally become that guy yeah, yeah and it yeah. just it just happened just like that yeah yeah was it uh was it tough to to step into that position just kind of without I, mean, I don't know I guess being prepared yeah it was because I was still kind of working on myself as well yeah so you know you can't lead somebody if you got to develop yourself as well yeah so I was pretty much working on myself and then trying to form this group that's really young that has no playing experience at all yep just kind of thrust into that leadership position and you're you're kind of having to be the glue that that almost kind of holds everything together it sounds like um yeah what what was the culture change like kind of a complete 180 yes very very complete 180 tough to buy into it or it wasn't that tough to buy into it because i'm it's like you know there's some things were some things maybe like in the coaching staff that they let slide that just didn't slide with others. So it was kind of like if you were just those type of guys that like just went by and like just basically got a slap on the wrist and they just let it slide. It was kind of tough for those type of people. Yeah. But I was just always the type to like, all right, I'm going in, get my stuff done, going home or doing extra work. That was it. Like there was nothing else in between. And, um, so they kind of they kind of found out the hard way sometimes, and then that caused a lot of people to transfer. Mm. A lot of people didn't like his attitude, the attitudes of the coaching staff, you know, because they're from the East Coast and it's different from the South. So that was also a change, and they also the coaches had to, you know, um, kind of what's the word? Adapt. Yeah, adapt. They're kind of try to adapt to us as well because yeah. I know there's one coach. Like we, you know, we say yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. He doesn't like that at all. Oh, wow. <laughs> he doesn't, okay. He doesn't like that at all. He's like, do not call me, sir. Wow. And so okay. it was kind of hard to like not say those words, like <laughs> stuff like yeah. that. So, and we also felt really close to those old, like those old coaches that left. And then so we got to form a new relationship with these coaches that didn't even talk to us during our yeah. um, process of going to college, like all that stuff. So like right. these coaches are coming in, taking players that they didn't recruit. And then we're here listening to these coaches that didn't recruit us. Yeah. So there was just a divide there. And then you got the East coast and then you got South and it was just, it was just a big old mess at the beginning. Like a lot right. of people didn't want to believe in his coaching ways at the beginning. And um, it's kind of tough because you have nothing to go off of. Right. Right. And so it, it started off with that class of 2017 class. Those seniors that went 0 and 11, those those seniors took initiative and say, hey, we're going to buy in and everybody behind us should buy in as well. Mm. And then so it was like a domino effect. So my group and then the group after that. 
So it it was really on the, that class of 2017 that really set the way. Yeah, and and you spoke about earlier how you didn't want to leave on a bad note, and you kind of wanted to be kind of a stepping stone for for future classes. And it sounds like that that gave you the opportunity to do that right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, um, and you mentioned here in your notes you had to you had to switch positions when rule came in. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. You were, so, were, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, so um, it was during the spring, so um. So we had just won the the um, bowl in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Came back, had spring spring practices and stuff. So there was offensive coordinator. I forgot his name. Offensive coordinator from Ole Miss that came to Baylor. Then he went to Washington. So when he came in, he moved me inside playing inside receiver. Mm-hmm. And he wanted me to basically be that guy in that offense because that inside receiver position was basically like the first or second read in every play. Gotcha. And then he left. And then they brought in Coach Bick, who was with the Eagles, who coached up Deshaun Jackson for a couple for a couple years. And then he came in. And then during that whole process of spring and fall camp, Coach Rule thought that it would be a good idea to trust out, try out being a DB like during fall camp. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. So I tried it out for like two weeks. I, my heart was just not in it. <laughs> <laughs> my heart was just not in it. Like they say, um, I have the natural talent to be a DB, like with my footwork and my hips and back, back, back pedal or whatever. So not, because I also coach Buckle and the old coach Baylor staff. He also said that I had natural talent to be a DB, but I gave it to try. Yeah. So I didn't say like I should have did it, but I did try it. Yeah. It just was not, it was just <laughs> not something I could do. And so I tried it for like two weeks and then I gave it a try and I was like, I can't do it. Can't do it. So I came back. It was just like, like in the team meetings, you know, like, you're like in class with your friend and then the teacher just breaks you up. Move you yeah. to class. <laughs> so when I'm going into the DB meeting room and I'll see my receivers over there, I'm like, man, I want to go back over there. That's yeah. That's hilarious. how it felt. Yeah. Well, but, um, fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting, but um, I kind of joked around with the DB coach. I was like, Hey, like on third downs, just put me in this package. I'll go out there. Yeah. Hey, why not? <laughs> and he said we might. It was during that Oklahoma game when we were talking about it, actually. But um, I couldn't do it. So I moved back to receiver. They moved me back from inside receiver to outside. And so the way our offense was, we just basically stayed on the same sides. We never switched on the outside, but only the inside receivers would switch. Okay. And then that soon later changed when a new receiver coach came in. I got you. And you you just spoke about the OU game. Is that is that the mm-hmm. OU game where you suffered the injury? You mm-hmm. you were injured in Rule's first year, right? Yep. Am I getting that correct? That's correct. Okay. Talk talk us through that injury. What remind us what that injury was and what like the mm-hmm. uh, timetable of that comeback is. So it was against the OU. That game was going pretty back and forth, pretty much. That first half, I was pretty quiet on the stat sheet. But um, it was like a lot of focus on me because we were just coming off that Duke game. 
And um, that's right. I had like two touchdowns. And um, so there was a lot of focus on me. So I was just doing a lot of basically, um, what's the word? I'm trying to find maybe dummy routes. Is that it? Maybe a bad, of, bad yeah, way to say of. it though. Oh, routes to get someone else open. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Denzel was just having one heck of a quarter. I think he had like two touchdowns in that half. I think he yeah. ended up with three or four touchdowns in the game. And so um second half, I have a coach coming up to me. He's like, Don't worry, we'll get you the ball. We'll get you the ball. Keep your head up. I wasn't down at all. Like we we're yeah. in the game against OU. I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> and then so <laughs> just just to like um I just scored actually before I got hurt. The possession before I got hurt, I had scored off of a uh, fake screen. And so the next possession on offense, we run a jet sweep and then the tight end pulls, mm-hmm. loops around, and then the uh, left tackle also pulls with it. Okay. And so that linebacker comes down. I actually watched the video not too long ago. So what he did, what happened, he grabbed my right leg, but my left leg was extended. So when he went down and turned my right leg around, my left leg got hyperextended, and that's when I tore my ACL. Mm. Mm. So when I was on the ground, it hurt for a little bit, but then I, like, got helped up by one of my teammates. And um, so I'm, like, jumping around, kind of running it off, and I wave the trainers off, like, I'm good, I'm good. So I jog off the field. Wow. It doesn't feel like an ACL tear at all. It feels wow. like just like a brain or something because I've sprained my MCL before in high school. It felt – it didn't even feel as bad as my MCL sprain in high school, honestly. So I'm like wow. running back and forth on the sideline just trying to just shake it off. Two plays go by. I go back onto the field, <laughs> and I run a post route, and um, I was open, but Zach just – under threw me like right yeah. behind me I could have scored on the play and then so we finished that drive out I run walk to the sideline and I'm just like I don't this doesn't feel right so I got a trainer I was like Emily this does not feel right yeah and then so she grabbed one of the doctors they they went in, we went into the tent and then so he starts doing like a a, like an ACO kind of test, like he's grabbing the back of my knee, just doing it back and forth. And he said, it's loose. And then I was like, he's like, okay. He's like, no, it's too loose. You can't go back into the game. And I yeah. was like, why not? He's like, I feel fine. He's like, he's like, no, it's too loose. I don't want you to go back in there and hurt anymore. And so they took my helmet away. They put ice on my knee and I was out after that, the third quarter. Man. And, um, so the next day, went and, get, went and got an MRI. Next day, I felt kind of fine. I was like walking. I was walking fine. No limping or anything like that. So I was going in there like with a good mindset. Yeah. And so get the MRI, wait a few minutes. I go back to the Baylor facility. And then that's when the doctor had uh, brought me into the room and told me the results. He said that I tore my ACL. And when he told me that, like, I felt sick. Like, my body went hot, my stomach, my heart dropped. I felt sick. I couldn't even, like, I was sitting on a table. I couldn't even sit up. Like, I had to lay down on the table. I just felt so sick. Man. And um, so it was just, it was just rough. And then yeah. when I went home, told my parents, 
and then told my girlfriend like what what the news was it was just it was just really hard on me so that's that's basically what the turnout was after that game like that that saturday and that friday yeah and then so sorry go ahead oh so um basically we wanted to get a second opinion because i did not it did not feel like an acl tear at all so we went to dallas went to dr cooper who was i think he still is or he was the dallas cowboys um surgeon okay so went went to him got x-rays and then basically same thing results he said that it's a it's an acl tear he showed me basically the x-rays of everything the um the scan and all yeah so it was it was a tear so that was right before we went to kansas state and basically that's like all the questions they were asking rules in that press conference before the Kansas State game, like if I was going to come back or not. So he just he just told them that um, it was questionable. Yeah. But we, we had knew at that point that I was out for the season. Man, was it were you worried at all about just your future playing football? Did you think you'd ever get back on the football field again? Or were you were you like, hey, like, let's get this thing back and I'm going to be back on that field no, no matter what? Mm hmm. My mindset in that was basically just working my ass off, trying to get better and get back on the field, yeah. better than what I was before I left. Yeah. And so working with Dr. Cooper and um, his surgery, was went, which went very well. Um, I came out of surgery, so I'm very hyperextended with my legs. And so he's like, no wonder why you're fast. You got so much hypermobility. <laughs> so <much>, yeah. <laughs> I can't. I think I want to say I came out of my surgery with already like 15 to 20% degree extension already. Okay. Yeah. Like a lot of people, like when they come out of surgery, they try, they're like down here a little bit. They're okay. trying to get back to zero. I got you. I was already from zero to 15. Oh, already. wow. So you felt like you were already ahead of the game then a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. But I will say I would never wish an ACL surgery on anybody because it is the worst thing I Man. ever went through. Man. Worst thing. It felt yeah. like, it felt like, well, actually, Dr. Cooper, he showed me before going into my surgery. He said, you see that? He's showing me a video of an ACL surgery. He said, if you wake up and feel like you got hit with the hammer, it's basically because you did. He's like, has his ACL, he's hammering something in. Dang. Yeah. Dang. Wow. Wow. Were you, were you able to be back with the team? like pretty soon thereafter and like travel and be on the sidelines and things like that or yeah so they went to k-state so i didn't catch that game so i was i was back at home right and then so i think i want to say the next game was iowa state so my mindset in that was not good at all because from when my season had just ended after having a good game having a great season yeah, it, it just just ended just like that. So my mindset with that was not good at all. And then after my surgery or before my surgery, there was um, a lot of coaches that I expected to like be there or even just check on me that didn't. Mm. And um, so that rubbed me the wrong way a lot. Man. And so my my decision. So I could I could have gone I want to say it was the Iowa State game I could have gone out there 
but I decided not to. I kind of stayed away. I kept my distance from the team during that yeah. time. So a lot of players actually reached out to me and a lot of coaches, like Coach McGuire, who I love. Love that dude. Uh, Coach McGuire, Coach Bick, and um, Coach Demir, who was an assistant um, student coach yeah. who, who um, left as well not too long ago. So, like, I kept those dudes in my mind, but I also remember the ones that did not I reach didn't. out. Yeah. It was some of the ones that you would think would reach out that did not reach out. Mm. And so that yeah, I'm sure that hurt me. Yeah. So that that caused a divide. Yeah. I bet. That. So actually, Coach Rule reached out to me before the Texas game. It was like that Thursday final practice before that Saturday. And then he wanted to talk outside before practice started. He's like, he's like, hey, he's like, hey, you haven't been going to meetings. You haven't been around much. Like, what's going on? And so I told him, I was like, so, um, I mean, after, after I got hurt, I really haven't heard from you at all. Mm. Like I haven't, it's been two weeks and I haven't gotten a single text or a call. Mm. And I just did not feel like I was part of the team at that point. It was like, I was just disposable. That's how I felt. So going through, so actually, I actually did go, I remember I went to that Iowa State game, I went in inside the locker room and just everything was gone. My name played, everything that was in my locker is no. gone. Yeah. So, you know, in that setting, they probably just wanted to make room for somebody else that was going to play. But then in my mind, I was like, that was my locker. Yeah. Like, that Seriously. was my locker. And so now I'm hurt. It's just, it's whatever. Somebody else just goes in and just takes it. Jeez. Did that affect your like recovery? Like your um God, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, did that affect your want to come back at all? Were you kind of regretting or second guessing, like, you know, hey, maybe, maybe I don't need to come back? Um at that or, point. Or were you worried there would even be a place for you if you wanted to come back? Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was feeling all those, all those things. But luckily, well, I wouldn't say luckily enough, but there was there was a point where Drew Galitz got hurt as well in that K-State game when he tore his ACL. Mm. So it wasn't just me. It was it was me, I tore my ACL, then Drew that next week. So it was both of us in there just grinding, trying to get back to work. Right. So right. luckily enough, I had him as accountability partner. Like if I was slacking, I was getting on him and if vice versa with him as well. So Luckily enough, I had him there to kind of keep me on on that yeah. timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. after that, I was just like not having it. Like I did not want to go into rehab. Like I've been wanting to go to rehab. I just did not. I didn't I even want to go to class. I just, just wanted to stay home. Jeez. Yeah. Shoot. I can only imagine, man. I can only imagine. But uh, sure, I'm glad you made it back. Sure, I'm glad you made it back. Um, let's let's move on to then to, uh, to 2018 there. Um, mm-hmm. real second year. Uh, this is the Vanderbilt, uh, bowl year. Um, I think mm-hmm. you mentioned the new receiver coach this year. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. Yes. So, um, after I recovered, it was like March when I got released to run. Okay. 
to finally run. And I'll tell you, I've never gone that long in my life, not even <laughs> jogging, because that process is like that first six months. You can't even jog like you're just walking, just doing water treadmills gotcha. and all that other stuff. Like you're just working on your your mobility and your knee first. Yeah. yeah. And so just being able to just jog again just felt such a relief. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it made me so happy. Like it was like the the best thing, best news I've gotten since since I tore my ACL. Yeah, just being able to jog, being able to run. I just felt so happy just being able to run again. Man. But um, it was around that time when we got a new head coach. So Coach Big left and took the Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver coaching job. And um, it was greatly missed. I, I loved that coach. He was just – our demeanors were the same. We were just very yeah. laid back, but we got to work done. So we, we matched really well together. And then Coach Frisman came in. He – was with the Tennessee Titans. Then Coach Rule brought him in. So he was our new receiver coach. As he came in, we changed our offense a little bit. So I was still outside receiver, but now we would switch with the formation. So we weren't just on one side. Gotcha. And then so Denzel was X, I was Z. But the way our playbook is, Z is pretty much on the backside of every play. Okay. So it wasn't like 2017 to where like, one play, I might be X, and then one play, Denzel might be X. It was Denzel was always X, and he was going to those spots. Yeah. And then so, I, so, I mean, if you pay attention, like, during fall camp, you kind of notice this before the season starts. So I kind of realized that before even going into the season. But it was my first season back off of injury, so I was just excited just to even play. Right. So I wasn't yeah. even, like, worried about that. I was just happy to be out there. You know? Right. And um, but um, Coach Coach Ridge is a good, good, good dude, good coach. And um, he he came in at a bad time for me mentally wise because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because um, I I didn't you could tell that's my demeanor walking around the facility. It was not good. Yeah, I did not want to be there even after I um got released for full. Um, full contact or yeah, full contact, yeah, full contact, full team activities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not want to be there, Man. and um, so Coach Bell. One day we were going out to a practice. Coach Bell was like, "What's up?" He's like, "What's up, man? You haven't been yourself lately." He's like, "You're a team leader. Your team needs you out there." And then I was just like, "I don't know. Like, I, I don't feel like I, I should be here." Mm. And um, so I was still kind of that that stuff that happened when I was injured was still in the back of my mind. Like the people that didn't reach out to me, the locker issue and just me being injured as just all in that in one. So we, you know, me and Coach Rule talked about it. We talked it out and we made amends with it, but it was still in my mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Because like in, in my perspective, I was a guy that trusted him when he came in. I didn't go, I didn't go against the grain or anything like that, like other players were doing. I just basically trusted in him and like busted my ass every game, even though we were losing, like just putting it all out there on the line. And then as soon as I get hurt, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Man. Um, so yeah, you were 
you're just about ready to, to leave then about to go ready to find yourself a new team and uh and continue on then yeah pretty much yeah pretty much honestly um so around that time coach Kendall Browse was at U of H and so I was thinking about potentially transferring to Houston and so during that time coach Rule was also getting rumors about going to the Colts for yep. a head coach job and so I was like what what why should I be here if you're like talking and doing these interviews with other NFL coaching jobs and not with us. So I went up to him. Well, he came up to me and um, it was him and Coop. And so we were just talking outside. He's like, what, what is your thought process? I was like, well, I, I don't know if I should be here if you're going out and talk, doing these all these head coaching interviews and stuff. And he basically told me that it was just like he didn't want to reject just for like future references, just go up there, right. talk to them, see what they're talking about. And he said that he didn't have any plans leaving just yet, but he said the word just yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And he was like, and then he told me, cause like on social media, like, you know, bros, I still follow them and stuff. So I'll like favorite or like, or retweet anything they have yep. on their okay. social media. So okay. he follows Coach Rule follows me on Twitter, so he saw all that stuff. But I I didn't care, didn't want to hide it or anything like that. I just did not care at that point. Yeah. And then he was like, he said, I won't let you go to Houston. <laughs> Basically, just found out I told Straight him that I won't. Yeah. He said, I won't let you go to Houston. He said, You'll go, you can go anywhere but Houston. I won't let another player go coach with Browse. Wow. Yeah. Cause Terrence William had just transferred to U of H. They're running back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Wow. Did you have some animosity towards that? Like, hey, this is this is my my life. It's my decision. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you to say what I should do? Yeah. So I'm not a conflict type of person. So, <laughs> so um, I basically told him I was like, well, why not? And so he just basically told me that he just didn't want another player going out to to browse and he said that he really thinks that he could turn me into a pro receiver and so I talked to my family a little bit about it and kind of asked them what their thoughts was and then so thought long and hard about it so I stayed we basically talked again me and coach rule and uh basically just went on played that 2018 season and um at first, I was, like, just happy to be out there. Yeah. But then again, after a while, I'm like, okay, this is not how it used to be. <laughs> like, in 2017, you know, because then Coach – not Coach, um, Jalen Hurd was there as well. So, yeah, yeah, we had yeah. Mims, Hurd, then me, and the top three. And so, I wasn't getting the same looks at 17, which I knew that going in because of fall camp. So, I kind of saw that. But then again, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I know I can make plays. So just let me make plays like I used to. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, some scouts see that, like, you'd had success, but they want to see how you bounce back after an injury. So, like, I was really just wanting to have, like, a good bounce back year. Right. So that was, that was just, like, my main focus. But then yeah. again, in my head, you know, I was like, you know what, and I'm just do whatever the team needs me to do. 
because I didn't want to make a scene or anything like that. I was just going to deal with that myself personally. And then so that's what I did. I would talk to the coaches like one-on-one. I would not make a scene or I'd go on social media or say any stuff like that. I would just right, kept right. it to myself or talk to the coaches. Kind of just um, keeping that just in between us and them. Which and, I'm sure um, was hard to do at times. Yeah, it's very frustrating, especially if you know what you're capable of doing. Yeah. And just, you know, just laying back, taking a back seat again after waiting yeah. such, such a long time to just be that guy. Yeah. And then having an injury like that back backs at you. Yeah. But um, so after a while, a lot of like the string coaches and a lot of like assistant coaches, they would just talk to me like on the side, like every week, like, hey, hey, just keep your head up. You'll get the ball. It will turn out good. Like it'll, good things will happen. And then so it finally did. Um, actually, I don't, I'll go back to it. But it finally did that, that Texas Tech game where we had to win to go to a bowl game. And if we That's lost, right. we didn't. That's right. And so there was just like a, a lot of bubble screens to me in the game plan and a lot of like reverses and all that type of stuff. Just trying to get you in open space. Yeah, just giving yeah. me some touches. And then so it, it just finally clicked and it finally happened. Like one touch there, two touch there, took one for like 30 or 40 out of halftime. There was a wheel route that I caught straight out of halftime. We were down by three or something like that, just something to get us going. And it was just, it felt like 2017, 16 all over again, like where I'm just like, it doesn't even have to be a deep ball, just little yeah. touches here and there, and I can just do whatever after Right, that. right, right, right. So if that game felt really good, like it felt really good to be back doing that again. And then so we win and we go to Houston to play Vanderbilt. And so we're practicing. And amid, in the middle of those bowl game practices, the coaches are coming up to me and they're like, hey, actually, it wasn't even in the middle. It was like the middle of the season when coaches were coming up to me like, hey, there's this six rule, six year rule coming out because then, you know, they had just made that rule. Freshmen can play four games and still be redshirted. That's right. That's right. So it was a still the same applied for people who got hurt. Okay. So I got a medical redshirt because I only played three games in 2017 yeah yeah okay yeah four games yep and got hurt that at um against OU so they were telling me like hey you can come back but in my mind I'm like I'm here now like I want to do what I'm gonna do now I'm not right talking about next year or possible <laughs> coming back next year yeah like I want to do what I can do now so I can leave in a yeah in a good ending like yeah I don't it almost felt like they were just milking me at that point mm. like they were just throwing me here and there like everywhere inside outside receiver whatnot but just not really in the game plan and just trying to get Jalen Hurd out because that was his last season and then Mims was going to come back for his senior season so I just felt like it was I was just being milked at that point yeah. to where they're like, oh, he's he, he has another year. We, we're not worried about this year just yet. So we'll worry about that when he comes back next year. That's what it, that's what my thought process was. Hmm. It might not have been to them, but that's that's what it seemed like. I'm sure, especially after what you had already been through. Yeah. And so before is the day of the game. 
is the day of the game we're getting on the bus to go play Vanderbilt. I get a text from <laughs> I get a text from one of the coaches, the offensive coordinators. He texts me, come back next year, we'll get you the ball more. Mm. So he's basically saying, like, he knows that I wasn't getting the ball enough this year, trying to persuade me to come back the next year to give me the ball more. I was like, what, like, who sends somebody that, like, right before a game (laughs) about next year? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It was just, it was a lot. And then you got Charlie coming back. He, he was telling me, like, he was texting me about coming back six year. You got Coop texting me coming back a six year. So after we played Vanderbilt, you got all these um, other people, like academics. You got um, people outside that you don't see for the football team or athletic sports that's like in that Simpson complex. Like, all of them, like, you're going to come back next year. You're going to come back next year. I was like, who told you about this six-year yeah. thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, I just I, – like, I knew in the middle of the season, but I didn't tell anybody. Yeah, like, yeah. I, like, who told you all this stuff? Like, why are these people, like, coming at me talking about coming back next year? And then so I took, I took some time away. So it was either I go try out for pro – or come back for six years, but I had to make my choice before right. January something. So Coach Frizz texts me and he's like, hey, what's your mom's number? I really want to talk to you and her. And then so basically he he we talked about us coming back for another year and how that would help my chances going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he basically said that a lot of scouts want to see me in the slot more. And if I came back, they'll put me in the slot and um, let's go from there. And um, so what I had to do, so I came back to Waco and I went to one of my friend's house. I had to type out a piece of paper of like what a six year would mean to me and what it would do and what I would do with it. Okay. To the uh, NCAA for them to approve it. Got you. So I had to I had to send out this phone essay, <laughs> send out to the to the NCAA for them to approve it and whatnot. And then so Mabry, who was also in the compliance um, office, kind of helped me with that process. So I had it typed out, but I haven't decided if I was going to go back yet. Right. And um, so I I called some people because I was, I was not set yet. I didn't know if I should go or if I should come back. So I talked to Coach Rule first. I went to his house and asked him what his thoughts was, but obviously that was going to be somewhat biased. Sure, and so sure. I called Coach Grove. <laughs> of all people, I called Coach nice. Grove because nice. he was in the middle. So he's not Browse. He's not Rule. He was right he's there. He's just Grove. <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of talked to him for a little bit and got some insight on him. And then he basically told me, he said, well, if you if you left, would you leave any doubt? Or if you left, would you be basically, um, what's the word? I'm trying to think. Uh, damn, I'm drawing a blank. Basically, he was saying that um, 
would really would you regret not going back for another year? Yeah. And he said, how'd you feel about this season? And do you think you could do better? And I said, I really do think I can do a lot better than what was displayed because if you look at, if you look at my 17 numbers and then my 18 numbers, I basically got almost my 18 numbers in four games in my 17. Yeah. Career. Yeah. Okay. So in my mind, I'm always thinking about 17 because I started off so good. Like I think I want to say I led the nation in touchdowns over 70 and I only played four games. Mm. So like I'm mm. always thinking about that 17 year and what stacks up against that yeah. always. Yeah. And then so I told him, I was like, yeah, I really do think I can do a lot better. And he's like, dude, well, do you trust that the coaches can get you there? And I said, well, that that's where it gets tricky because there's some people that's in that staff I do trust, but then there's some that I'm just very iffy about. Mm-hmm. And then so that's basically what our conversation was. And I kind of talked to my grandparents and my mom and dad and my girlfriend about it. And uh, just the overall consensus, it was just, they said that I should give it another try. So I did. I came back, sent out the letter. They approved it. So I came back from my sixth year. And um, so basically going in, I moved to inside. I moved to Quan outside. And then they got Denzel outside. But there's a, there was a three-man rotation inside, me, RJ, and Fleeks. Mm-hmm. So pretty much that's basically what it was like throughout the whole season. Yeah. And then so I have numerous, numerous um, sit-downs with Coach Rule and Coach Frizz um, by themselves. And I'm asking them, like, hey, like, what is – like, what, what is my – role or place yeah. on this team yeah basically like what is like what is wh- why am i here like why yeah. am i like yeah. i'm asking them, why am i here valid question and um so coach mcguire like every like before practice and he always reminds me he's like remember why re- always remember why you came back so it always comes back to my head and I, I came back to have a better season yep and then so just how it was a three-man rotation pretty much the whole season it was kind of tough to get in a groove and like all that so I would always have sit downs with them like what what's the game plan here why am I here because it feels like I'm wasting y'all's time and y'all are wasting my time yeah that's what it pretty much felt like my my last year there man it felt like I should have just left in 18 honestly man because um I mean, I still had a good 17 year regard the the injury and then 18 to where like I could have got in somewhere. Right. But then if you put two mediocre seasons back to back like that after an injury, not, not a lot of teams are gonna look your way anymore. Mm. So from that 18 year when I came back from the injury, we have we had a uh, agent day. And the agent gave me a scorecard to where one of the teams had me graded, projected before I got hurt. And it was like third, fourth round before I got hurt against Dang. OU. So, like, you, you give me all that information. Like, he even, <laughs> like, he gave me, like, full-on, like, a full-on scouting report. It was, like, projected third, wow. third through fourth round. And it was, like, pros, cons, and all that other stuff. 
And um, so I always had that in my mind too. Like, man, I was like third, fourth round right here. Right. And then like, it just kept going down every year. Mm. And um, so that's why we also did the surgery with Dr. Cooper. We didn't want to stay in house in Waco. We wanted to get the best of the best because one of the coaches said that like, you're really projected to be drafted really high. Yeah. And we want to make sure that this surgery goes very well. So we went to the Dallas surgery. So it was, uh, it, it was pretty tough. It was pretty tough that, um, just to kind of see that unfold just year by year, kind of like have my hopes just slowly unravel. And then, yeah. It's just yeah. a lot of false hope, man. But I kept it to myself every, like every year I just kept it to myself. I did not show any animosity. I did not show any, um, any of one of not being there like I did after my surgery. Cause you could tell it was like night and day. Like when I did not want to be there, people knew I did not want to be there. <laughs> but after that, that 18 and 19 year, like when I was not getting the ball, like people like pout and stuff, I was still out there going hard as I could and just doing whatever I could for the team. Yeah. And nobody really knew there was teams asking, well, there's some of my teammates would ask me like, Hey, why aren't they giving you the ball? I was like, man, I don't know. I just yeah. leave it at that early, man. I don't right. know. Right. Yeah, I don't know. So I just left it at that. I didn't want to cause any any drama at all. Right. <laughs> right. No drama at all. So <laughs> that's that's pretty much what I did throughout all that. And um, so basically, let me see where I left off. Did they? I feel like. Do you think they made it seem like you come back for this six year, like you're the dude in the slot, like you're it. We're going to mm-hmm. get you the ball. And then for whatever reason, just was not that way. You know, it, it became that three-man rotation. Did you feel that Feel that way? So he told me that um, that right now they had fleeks in the slot for that next year mm-hmm. if I was going to leave. He said that I would have to beat him out for the spot. I was like, okay, I'm fine with that. That's yeah. fair game. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm all, like, I'm all good with that. And then so we're competing and then – RJ was in it as well. So all of us were playing really damn well. Like during that fall camp, there was like no definitive answer. Mm-hmm. So like, it was just like one day RJ might be starting just to lead off that possession or me or fleeks. It was just off and on. Yeah. yeah. But um, it, it was just tough. Honestly, it just, it was a bad, I'm it was sure. a bad spot. It's like, if I, if I would have known, obviously hindsight, if I would have known it would have been like that, I would have just left. <laughs> yeah, you'd have just gone. Man. Yeah. Man. I that sucks, sucks to hear that, man. It really does. Um, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you, as a as a guy that is a a Baylor football fan and, and follows d- the team closely, I can for sure say that I didn't feel that feel that from you at all. So like applaud you once again for just being not bringing up the conflict and and keeping your head down and working hard, man. Um mm-hmm. so um you did put in your notes here the about the Big 12 championship game. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what you wanted to talk about with that game. If you wanted to oh. talk about your, uh, your your catch. Yeah, so the um, that fake that fake screen. So a lot of people – so during that 2020 season, you know, COVID, everybody's in, got a lot of podcasts, like, reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. Yeah. And then uh, one of the Smoke Brothers 
got on one of their podcasts and he was asking me, he's like asking me, like, what was your thoughts about when you got caught? Uh-huh. And so I'm telling him, I was like, honestly, in that moment when I caught the ball and I broke that tackle, I thought there was nobody left. <laughs> nobody Man. left. And so I'm I'm just running. Like I'm not letting off the gas at all. I'm just I'm just running. It's not like I'm just like running hard as I can. I'm just like running to get to the end zone. And then all of a sudden, if you remember that Texas game, like there was a lot of fumbles that in that game. So I feel somebody grabbing my shoulder. So I'm just like, I'm grabbing the ball and I'm just going straight down. Yeah. And so obviously there's no scoreboard to where I can see what's happening in front of me. So when it happens, and I'm looking, I was like, what just happened? Like, how did he catch me? <laughs> I was like, where did he come from for one? And how did he catch me? I, I was asking myself the same question. <laughs> and then so I look back on that video. I don't think no one's looked at that video more than I have. Mm. If you go back and see that play, as I'm catching the ball, no, before I even catch the ball, as I'm going out, so they're in cover three. So that corner is going out, that Safety's playing middle. So we have a fake screen to where Ebner's faking the screen. I was fake blocking the screen and going mm-hmm. up for a wheel route. Mm-hmm. Taekwon was going on to a uh, to a comeback to okay. kind of draw that, that corner got back you. down. Yep, got you. But that corner saw me slip. And before I even catch the ball, he is running after me full oh, speed before man. I even catch the ball. And then so I catch the ball. The safety comes over, and I break that tackle. But yet that corner is still running, already trying to catch up to me. Yeah. And then so it looks bad because from that angle, it looks like he just he just hawked me down. But I didn't get I didn't get up to speed. For yeah. one. For Dang. two, I didn't know I was getting chased. Man. So that's, that's the downside of having the uh I guess the ATT stadium big screens. You don't you don't get to watch yourself watch uh walk into the end zone. Yeah. So there, there's, there's a lot of videos I've showed people. I was like, there's some chances, like there's this Duke, the Duke game when I had um, that stop and go for like 70 something yards. I catch the ball and I look back and I see he's, he's like right on me and I change directions. So yeah. I was like, yes. if I, and if I would have seen him, I would have changed directions. But um, there is this, there is this uh, tweet on there that said that he got up to like 22 to almost 23 miles per hour. Yeah. I was just at 21.8. Like yeah. I do that in practice, man, <laughs> man. So I'm like, wow. Like I was really running, but I wasn't really running. Like that. Yeah. I got like, you I wasn't running from somebody. <laughs> so it, it's, it, I was hard on myself because like a lot of people look at that play, like, dang, if he would have scored, we would have won now, but no. But I try to tell people, like, we were really struggling that whole game on offense. That was, like, besides that um, Ebner and Taekwon touchdown. Yep. We really weren't <laughs> doing anything on um, on offense. Yeah, because, I mean, the Taekwon, the the OU guy was almost there for an interception. Yeah. And then the Ebner he one. Cut it. Yeah, exactly. And, and Bohannon just kind of. May, may have chunked it up uh, just hoping that Tycoon was going to make the play, which he did. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. We we struggled mightily, mightily on offense, and, and uh, you know, didn't help that that Brewer was banged up before coming into the game, and and then eventually mm-hmm. you know, didn't get to didn't get to finish the the, the play out. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'm right there with you that there's never going to be one play that that decides whether you win or, or lose mm-hmm. a football game. So, but yeah, man. Um, yeah. I, 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 looking back on that play, I really do think it was like the perfect storm. Cause I didn't even realize like what you're saying, the guy that read the play and was already mm-hmm. sprinting towards you before you even caught the ball. And then you add on to the fact that I think that was their like track star that yeah. may have been the only guy in the entire big 12, maybe in the nation that could have, that could have caught you that, that way. So mm-hmm. kind of a perfect storm. So <laughs> man. Thanks. Thanks for walking us through that play though, for sure. Um, yeah, no problem. so that's kind of the, the end of your, your Baylor career right there. Um, yeah. that, that, that game, um, actually not that game. It was, we had the bowl game, but mm-hmm. second to last game there. Um, what, when you look back at it all, I mean, you played for three different head coaches. I don't, I'm yeah. not sure if, if many other college players have, have ever done that. What, what was that? What was that like, man? It was so I would say from Browse to Grove, it wasn't that hard because his supporting staff was still there. Yeah. But um basically when Grove was there, a lot of people came in to talk to us and stuff. So you kind of see that um Browse was the more energetic. He was he he likes um the electric. He, he likes playmakers, basically. He likes playmakers. He, he's so energetic. He, he's just – I can't even describe. It's just <laughs> – it just to be around him, like, you can't have a bad day around. Coach yeah, Browse. I got you. Yeah, so, like, he has a nickname for everybody. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just off just off the off his head it's just just a nickname here and there. Like, he's just <laughs> – I don't funny. even know. That's funny. But um, – with Coach Bros, he he was more of a he was a more fast paced with the offense, like here and there go go spread you out and then going um deep, and then Coach Brown, not Coach Bros, but Coach Rule, he was mm-hmm. more wanting to run like more of a run game, pound the rock, and then more of a pro style offense. Yep, and then so. Going from that and like huddling up, like we never huddled with Coach Bros. Like, what is a like, huddle? What is that? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> like huddling and stuff like that was new like we we don't only time we huddle is like when we it's our first uh first down or our first possession on right offense. right and uh so like huddling up like that and pro style offense and not being very fast about offense I remember that um that Liberty game with coach yeah. coach rule I'm like let's go like right. what are we waiting on like I'm just like what are we waiting like what's the play like I'm sitting here I catch the ball I put it down I'm looking at the sideline like what's the next play? you're like lined up in the slot ready for the next play and they're like no Chris we got to huddle we got to huddle yeah I'm like <laughs> uh, it was so it, it was hard to break out of but I, sure. I eventually got into the mode of it but yeah, um I will sure. say with coach rule he was more of a, a pro style guy yeah. like he he belongs in that pro setting because he was all about getting us pro ready, which, which I liked a lot about, because there's a lot of things that coach Browse had that I took away and a lot of things that coach rule had that mm-hmm. I took away as well. Yeah. And um, with coach rule, it was more pro, pro oriented. 
because he's, he's been in the league before. A lot of his coaching staff has been in the league and came back. So we kind of – it was kind of like being on an NFL team, honestly. Yeah. And then having those tough practices, a lot of scouts came and said that, like, you have you have harder practice than we do in the league sometimes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, like, wow. knowing, knowing that, I'm like, wow, that wow. <laughs> that's really amazing. So, yeah. you know, they, they want people like that. They want people that – have hard practices like that and like being like knowing that there's a lot of people that within the pros on our staff they kind of trust their words what they say to other scouts yeah yeah i got you um let's let's transition now to uh to nfl and nfl preparation how did you like the Mm -hmm. way that you prepared um you know for the nfl and for your pro day so this is when so we had already got the news coach rules going to the Panthers after. And then so a lot of us were going to stay in prep at Baylor with Coach Johnston, Clay's dad. I got you. Yeah. And so I, I was going to be one of those guys. And then like a week or two after, like in January, he left as well. And then so a lot of teammates went to Apex in Dallas or Fort Worth. Okay. And trained there. But I had already told my agent, like we already signed and everything that I was going to prep here and then go to Dallas and work with D Rob with wide receiver training. And so I was just stuck there. Like with, I had to get one of the Baylor strength guys to kind of help me. It was like me and Jay will, we were just sitting there kind of figuring out like what we're going to do. A lot of people left already there in Fort Worth and we're here in Baylor stuck with nobody to train with because the one that was going to train with us, went to Look, Carolina yeah so like there's that and I was like oh man you know what I'm gonna just hit up coach Oz who was the stream coach for um coach coach Bros. Yep. so he he sent me out a full-on list of things to go through I just need a string coach to be there and kind of spot me and make sure that my form was good and all that so it was very helpful that like helped me out a lot so I was like in really good shape and then COVID hit so actually, no, before COVID hit, I was going from Monday through Thursday, working out at Baylor, then Friday, going up, driving up to Fort Worth at uh, one of Apex's facility and working out with D-Rob with a lot of other receivers that were doing pro day training. And who is D-Rob? I'm sorry. Uh, Dave Robinson, he's a D1, um, not D1, he's a, a receiver specialist that okay. works out Des Bryant, Emmanuel Sanders, like all those guys. Okay, cool. And then so, um, so I was going up there every Friday, driving up there to Fort Worth, getting work in. And then Bob Strope, the dude that owns Apex, was just so kind enough to even like let me kind of work out there as well, even though I did not pay to be there. Like it, it was just out of the kind of kindness mm. of his heart for him to let me be there for a little bit. Mm. After I got done working out, go back to the main building and kind of get stretching done would let me eat food there and we watched some um film training from our session like an hour before like in his facility he did not have to do that at all a lot of guys pay to go in there and he just let me do that for free wow and so wow this is like i want to say two weeks before pro day when we get shut down because ours is like really late. It was like the end of March and we got shut down the early part of March. And um, 
shut down. Everything shut down. So I'm in my apartment in Waco. I'm just working out on the football field, running around the track, doing whatever I can do. But then they canceled pro day. So there's no pro day. So I was I was banking on that pro day yeah. because, you know, a lot of people are going to be in there because Denzel was in there. So a lot of scouts want to be there for the receiver position. And um, so D-Rob even told me, he's like, we, he said, we, we're going to go more in depth. We're going to go two times a week because you're going to get in somewhere. Yeah. And then COVID shut all that down. So I'm just sitting there in my apartment, just working out, working out, working out. Then draft day comes. So I don't get drafted. I don't get signed. And the Chargers called me the next day after the draft, the end of the draft. And they said, hey, you're on a board to get signed. But uh, we had somebody that went into surgery. So we had to pick another position out of that draft pool and um, Dang. just have you come in and a camp. So I was invited to their camp. But then COVID got really bad and the Los Angeles, California laws are really tight knit down there. Yep. So was not able to go out there at all. Then Coach Frizz called me because he left with Coach Rule, called me. He said, hey, I'm sorry that you didn't get drafted or signed or like that, but is it, has anybody been reaching out? And I told him the teams, like there was like 13 teams that were like on the list of like signings. Yep. And I told him, he said, if you don't get picked up, we'll have you out for our camp in Carolina. And I was like, all right, good deal, whatever. That fell through. That never happened. And um, I'm just sitting here just waiting, just at a loss, just like not knowing when I'm going to another call, when I'm going to even get invited because of COVID. COVID is like, it's like really bad at that point. It's like if you aren't drafted or signed that you're not getting invited to any camps, NFL, NFLPA, just cut off like all inside. Right. Um, inside trainings, like for people to come in to work out, they cut that all out for 2020 so it was just tough being a person not drafted in that 2020 class golly golly and what what was the move like after after all that happened I mean you you, I I assume you you kept training but I mean Mm -hmm. you kind of had to move on and find Mm -hmm. something to do right yeah job wise I mean mm -hmm. so my agent was paying me up until pro day for training and stuff in rent and all that. So then that, that kind of went along It's March, April is when my lease was up. I already had money saved to even pay for like the next two months. Gotcha. And then, so decided to move back home in uh, Conroe okay. and um, kind of stay down there for a little bit because there was just no point of me being in Waco anymore. And um, so I wanted to move a little bit closer to Houston just in case there was like trainings and I could just go straight up there. And it was like only like an hour and 20 away from Conroe. And um, so basically until then I was just living at home. I was Uber driving for a little bit and then I got a job at Exports at Willis. And so that's when I started just Using my degree, got a job at Exports. I was coaching for a little bit over there, strength training for up until I want to say March, April of 2021. Okay. Got you. And then so we moved back out to Waco because my fiance got a 
a better job deal out here in Waco because when she was with me here at Baylor, she would stay the summers with me. And she found a job out at Green Eye in Waco and um, had a really good connection with Dr. Green. Nice. And then so she had an offer in Conroe. She had an offer in Waco. And um, so basically the one in Conroe had a good deal and it was better than Waco. But then when my fiance went back to the one in Waco and told about the deal, the counter offered it had a better deal that she could not pass up. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we moved back to Waco. And then so I'm, <laughs> I'm over here just looking for jobs again. And then so I found a job at D1 Waco. So I've been there ever since we moved. And um, the move was good. Everything's been great ever since. Good, good. What's it like? Uh, what's it like being on the other side of things now? It's very weird, especially for a guy that doesn't like a lot of attention. Yeah. Like, like you know, like being a football player, you're always in a helmet, so a lot of people don't know what you look like. But <laughs> there, there are some fans out there that know what you look like. <laughs> and then so. Uh, D1, sometimes they'll go to a touchdown alley and we'll got little, little stuff set out out there. So I'm like out there um, helping with that. So fans will come by. They're like, hey, are you are you Chris Platt? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, can you take a picture? I'm like, yeah, of course. So it's like stuff like that, like every yeah. every home game. That's great. And then just just walking to my friend's tailgate, you got people coming, bringing to the side, like, like hey, can you take a picture? Um, my wife, You're my wife's favorite player from Baylor. I was like, yeah, no problem. Or like awesome. they invited me to their tailgates and stuff. I was like, wow, this is like, this is really nice. And it it was also nice for like people to kind of remind me like, hey, I appreciate what you did. And kind of, they like kind of tell you they noticed what I went through and that they appreciate me for being there and staying there. Mm. And so that, that always feels good to hear. Like when yeah. people come up to me and just tell me those type of things. Yeah, man, I'm sure. I'm sure. And Man, just hearing hearing all what you went through at Baylor, I mean, mentally had to be, I mean, physically for sure was a grind. But mm-hmm. now hearing back what, what you went through just mentally had to be a grind. And, um, you know, in, in the notes you sent me, I, I don't know if you mind me saying, you know, you, you've got some ADHD, I think, you know, how, how, how much more difficult did that make it? Very difficult. So the way... It, the way ADHD is with me, it's um, sometimes I'll forget or blank out in moments okay. or if or sometimes it's just the lack of like wanting to do anything. Like sometimes like I might sporadically be like, hey, I want to learn this. And then the next week you're like, no, nah, whatever. I don't <laughs> want to do that anymore. It's just like you get those spurts of like wanting to do stuff, but then the want to is not there sometimes. Yeah. And then so doing that as a with that being a college athlete is kind of hard because you mm. gotta have your all into that or you're gonna be exposed. And um, so with Coach Brawl's offense, there's a lot of choice routes. So my mind is like always running like a thousand miles yeah. per hour. And then having to slow the game down because I'm run for one, I'm running fast. For two, my mind is running fast. For three, the game's just fast itself. And then so having to make those right decisions in split seconds were just really, very hard for me to do because of my ADHD, because I would sometimes think ahead and not just think in that moment. Yeah. But um, after a while, I started going back onto my medication because I just felt like I really needed it. 
and it, and it did help. It really slowed my brain down and let me think about this process through like on the field or in the meeting room. But the thing is, like when I'm on my ADHD medicine, I, I don't eat very well, uh, rarely sleep. And um, my just emotions are just not there. I'm like an emotional zombie. Like if you were to talk to me one day without ADHD with the medicine and another day with it, it's completely night and day, man, completely night and day. And um, it, it was just tough because it was like, do I take my medicine and be focused or do I not take my medicine and feel like me and being able to eat and feel like a regular person? So it was, decision. Just, it was just like flip a coin, pick your poison. And Jeez. um. It, it was really tough because Man. I was trying to gain weight, but then again, I had class as well. I had to study for that stuff and um, I couldn't study and gain weight because if I were to take my medicine to study, I would not, my eating habits are just <laughs> not good. I'll probably eat like Man. maybe once or twice a day because my hunger was just not there. It, my appetite was not there at all. Jeez. Man. Man. Um, well, any, um, any potential you see for maybe going to a different football league now, or is that just kind of out of your mind now? Or are you past that, that point in your life? So I want to say it was around August. I got a call from, I call, I got a call from one of the CFL teams. It was, it was one of the, uh, assistant managers, but wrong timing i was like in a um in a uh, job meeting at that time my phone was on silent <laughs> oh man it was one of the roughest things because like right before we got into that meeting he's like make sure you turn your phones off and then so i turned it off turned it back on get this voicemail he's like hey this is todd whoever he's like this assistant manager of such and such i just wanted to call and um into a potential into a p- potential signing onto the team. And then, so by that point where I got the message, it was like already too late. Like he was not wow. picking the phone back up. Yeah. It was like already was too that late. Quick. That quick. It was, he said he, so he texted my, um, my agent that, that there was like three other players in place. That was one of the three and they had just signed somebody. Golly. <laughs> it was just like the, wrong wrong you've been on the uh geez you're telling me man just thinking back to this conversation you've just been bad timing bad timing a lot of times man yeah so geez so i mean if they come calling or are, are you going back are you going again or mm-hmm. yeah and you yeah, still still definitely. training still training on your own yes i'm still training so i train at d1 sometimes and then um also I'm training at uh, – I'm going to go back to D-Rob and train again as well. Sweet. Good. That's good to hear, man. Mm-hmm. Um, well, hey, man, I, I, I don't really have anything else to ask you um, mm-hmm. unless you've got something that you're, you're itching to say that, that I haven't asked you about. Um, I guess I'll just end on I'm – just, I'm just really uh, – I'm really glad I have the support that I do because if I didn't, I don't know what position I'd be in where I would be right now in the thought process I would have had if I didn't because um 
you know, a lot of people say like a student athletes, they should just show up and just play. Mm. And I felt like doing this, it was just buried on me because I never I've never said anything like this in depth before. It was just buried on me. I would say it to like close friends and close family. Yeah. But I felt like it just needed to be said so I can say it, live with it, bury it and be okay with it and move on. And, um, you know, just just really blessed to have uh, the uh, support that I have for one, my uh, fiance for one, like that is my go-to. And uh, having a friend at Baylor who who didn't play sports at all. Yeah. So like through that whole process, she, she was there that whole time. Like being from the sexual allegations through, through the death threats, through the firing, through all of that. Like just being able to go somewhere that didn't feel like football, or someone that looked at you like a football player, just someone that just looked at you like a normal person. Yeah. And I feel like every athlete should find that, that type of friend. Yeah. Well, hey, Chris, hell of a story. Hell of a story, man. We, we appreciate you coming on and sharing. Like I said, man, I'm not one to talk about my feelings a lot. So uh, mm-hmm. I can uh, I can relate with you on that. And uh, I, I'm glad that you're able to get it all out and, and get it off your chest. And I think your story is really going to resonate with with a lot of people and, and and help a lot of people out so uh we, we really appreciate you coming on man i appreciate you having me an incredible story there from chris platt we thank you once again chris for coming on and for bearing with us and and for being so vulnerable you certainly had one of the most unique experiences there at baylor going through three head coaches and and everything you went through so Once again, just very appreciative of you coming on and bearing with us. Thank you, listeners. Hope you guys enjoyed that bonus episode. Chris Platt tells all. Look out for our Ole Miss preview episode coming out next week as your Bears travel to New Orleans to take on Ole Miss. Until then, second Bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.